The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're tuned into KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This program is called Paradigm Shift, and I'm your host, Jill Shee. As many of us are aware, last month the Supreme Court struck down same-sex marriage bans nationwide in a monumental victory for gay rights. We will start today's program hearing from the executive director of the LGBT Center in Orange County. We will then hear several perspectives on whether or not this ruling impedes on religious freedom, what laws are out there to protect those who feel their religious freedom is being violated, and what approach Christians or people of faith should be taking on gay marriage. Due to the many opinion pieces, media reports, and general views out there on this topic, I want to make sure I'm being clear and fair about the discussion we're having today. Today's discussion is not about pitting people of faith with the LGBT community. It's important to point out that there are many members of the LGBT community that are people of faith and who hold strong religious beliefs. The program today is geared to shed light on how people of faith and members in the LGBT community can strive toward tolerance despite their dissenting views. We will also hear from two legal representatives who stand on different sides of the religious freedom versus LGBT rights debate. To help balance out the coverage on this topic, we will be hearing, as I mentioned before, from the executive director from the LGBT Center of OC, a Newport Beach City Councilman, Scott Piotter, a legal counsel for the Alliance on Defending Freedom, a UCI dean and professor who is versed in constitutional law, and lastly, a Christian evangelist for a national and international ministry. Let's start by hearing from Kevin O'Grady from the LGBT Center of OC. He's here to discuss the work that his organization has done so far in the LGBT movement. He's here to address the topic of transgender, as well as to lend his views on people speaking out against gay marriages. Hi, this is KUCI 88.9 FM. You're listening to Paradigm Shift. This is Jill Shee. Our topic is the uh, gay rights uh, and the uh, freedom to marry uh, for same-sex couples nationwide. And we're speaking to Kevin O'Grady. He has been the executive director for the LGBT Center of OC for three and a half years now. Uh, Welcome, Kevin, to the program. Thank you. Happy to be here. Um, I want to start with um, this monumental ruling on uh, June 26th of just this year, um, you know, in the uh, Obergefell versus Hodges. Um, What did this decision mean to you personally and as well as to your organization? Um. I think personally, and perhaps as well to the organization, it was a validation of what we already know, that we're equal and deserve equal rights, and that the law as it stood was unjust. Okay. Um, Do you find that uh, in terms of the, um, you know, I think this, was it this past May? Uh, there was a protest uh, involved 100 pr- uh, people who were demanding an end to the detention of undocumented immigrants who are transgender. Yes. Um, you know, things like that. I mean, it, it certainly helps to get uh, the word across or, you know, um, for people to take a stand. Um, are you finding, uh, I guess that if I can tailor my question, are you finding that those protests or people just speaking out was helpful to the overall movement? Well, yeah, I think that particularly with immigration issues and specifically as they pertain to the Santa Ana jail, there are very few people who realize that immigration has the central holding place for LGBT immigration detainees in Santa Ana. And so that means that members of the transgender community end up in that jail too. And what we've seen consistently is poor treatment of transgender detainees, uh, refusal to give hormones and other medications, uh, putting uh, trans women in with the men's population and trans men in with the women's population, um, and essentially ignoring the rights of transgender folk. 
Okay. So, um, and then why don't I just kind of jump into the, the issue of transgender. Are there um, then a lot of misperceptions about uh, this particular topic that people still need to be educated, you know, the general public still need to be educated about, um, you know, messages that still need to get out there about the transgender community? Yeah, I mean, there are huge levels of understanding. I, I think probably some of the most important messages to get out is that this is a population that suffers extraordinary levels of discrimination and bigotry. And one of the things that, uh, you know, there's been a lot of attention, obviously, on Caitlyn Jenner, which has probably opened up the discussion about transgender issues, but our clients don't have those kind of resources. Our clients are either poor or undocumented. And so they've been bought until last year when we started a hormone clinic. They were buying hormones off the black market in liquor stores in Santa Ana, or they were going online and buying hormones and not knowing what they were getting. They were injecting each other. So there's that issue right there. There's extraordinary levels of unemployment, which obviously leads to high poverty in the trans community. Um, so I think we've only really, really began to scratch the issue of what's going on in the transgender community and what needs to happen. Okay. And then for your organization's purposes, is, is just educating, are you just focusing on maybe just the educational part? of this issue, or is there... No, we actually have, uh, I'm really proud to say that uh, we have one of the most forward-thinking, innovative trans programs in the country. Um, we put in place the hormone clinic last year, so now trans folk can come into the center twice a month and they can meet with a doctor who treats and uh, monitors their hormones. Uh, we are doing clinics to help trans folk through the name change process uh, and changing other gender markers on like social security cards and other government documents, which can be just tricky if you don't know the system. Um, and we have a range of support groups from a play group for little kids who identify as trans from like 5 to 11, uh, trans teens. We have a uh, group for trans Latinas that have been engaged in a lot of um, civic work recently, and um, and then an F2M and an <coughs> excuse me, an M2F group. So we offer a much broader range of services than most centers do. Okay, thank you for that information. And so, um, you know, kind of curtailing back to the Supreme Court rule, um, you know, nationwide, what do you what do you think contributed to the passage of this ruling? It's been a an interesting ride for you, for for the community, and obviously there are a lot of issues in the world that need attention, and there are rights that are being violated in multiple facets. But what do you think uh, opened up the door for for gay rights in this country? I mean, what was it that pushed this through right here, right now, um, this time? Well, I think specifically in terms of marriage, um, you know, the public opinion has been turning in our favor for a long time. I think that it was a huge boost when the president came out in favor of marriage equality. Um, and I think the fact that more and more people in our community are just coming out and the straight community is starting to realize that they know LGBT people where they not may not have thought so before. So I don't think there was one issue. You know, obviously... Changes in state law and actions by federal courts around the country pushes the Supreme Court too. Okay, and so I was, always, I was going to follow that up with yes, I we definitely have seen an overwhelming support for the LGBT community, and um, you know, I don't know if this is the right term. I don't, uh, you know, we've got some bandwagon supporters, right? People who are just now hopping on to support uh, the movement uh, that previously did not. Um, did you find that there was any group that lent their support that surprised you? Um, no. I mean, I think, well, there are 
some progressive evangelical groups that have embraced marriage equality. Uh, and that, in some ways, that surprised me because I think a lot of people see the evangelical community as a monolithic community, and that just isn't the case. Um, but it's always refreshing when evangelical groups support LGBT rights. Okay. And um, I'm glad you brought that up. So, um, you know, with this news of uh, gay rights now moving forward, um, there are still some dissenting views and people who aren't necessarily comfortable still with this. Um, what, what is your perspective on religious freedom versus gay rights? I mean, do you, do you think there is a way maybe to, to discuss how these two groups can get along? Or, um, you know, we, we just kind of taking it from a local level or something individual? Well, Go ahead. I don't think there's a conflict in terms of LGBT rights and religious freedom. I mean, religious organizations are free to perform or not perform same-sex marriages as they please. I mean, I have to tell you personally, I don't have much interest in talking to right-wing evangelical churches like Mariners or Saddleback mm. about LGBT rights unless they're willing to openly accept them. Okay. Yeah, and so I guess, you know, we, we read quotes and the Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito says that, um, you know, the decision will be used to vilify Americans who are unwilling to assent to the new orthodoxy. So kind of the concern is, um, you know, religious groups who are standing up for their convictions will receive some sort of backlash, whether it be, you know, the extreme cases of businesses being closed down or those types of things. Right. So um, for your representing your organization, I mean, is there a discussion on how we can advocate for LGBT rights without necessarily stepping on? I don't know what the right term would be, but... Um, yeah, but, but again, they're not, those things aren't mutually exclusive. There's... The extension of civil rights to the LGBT community not only is the right and just thing to do, but it has nothing to do with religious liberty. Mm. And so when religious folks suggest that the extension of uh, civil rights to the LGBT community diminishes their rights, first of all, there's no basis in the law that supports that. Um, but I think you also asked, were we, what do we say to those people who feel they might be vilified or, or their business? Yeah, th th this is a quoting from a Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito's quote. Yeah, uh, you know, truthfully, and maybe this is more of a personal opinion, but I, I say if, if you made the decision to stand up against the civil rights of millions of Americans, then you deserve to be vilified. Hmm. Like, this isn't... This is about justice, this is about ending bigotry, and it's about ending discrimination. And if people want to continue to discriminate and be bigoted, then they deserve to be vilified. Okay, so just, just you're clarifying that this is not, for, for people who are saying that this is a, a moral or religious issue, you're clarifying that this is a civil rights issue. So these things should yeah, remain absolutely. separate. absolutely. Absolutely. And there was nothing in that ruling or any other ruling that stops people going to a church or a temple or a mosque or, or any other kind of religious institution and hearing sermons against the LGBT community. That's protected in the First Amendment by both freedom of speech and freedom of religion. This decision hasn't changed that at all. Okay. And um, then now kind of changing gears here, is, is there still a lot of work to be done um, in, in the LGBT Center of OC? Huge amount of work. Huge amount of work. I mean, first of all, I think it's important to note that in at least 19 states, while people still have the right to get married, their bosses have the right to fire them for marrying a same-sex partner 
and their landlords have the right to kick them out of their housing simply because of their sexual orientation. So the court only addressed marriage equality and there's still allowed within the law extraordinary levels of discrimination in employment and housing. So I think it's important to note that. And but for our purposes, because that isn't the case in California, um, we are seriously turning our attention to health disparities between the LGBT community and the general population. You know, we uh, smoke at four times the rate of the general population. Uh, we uh, have levels of heart disease that are about five times the rate. And if you look at every health marker, the LGBT community fares poorly, and it's not something that has received much attention. Um, so that's where we'll be turning our attention. We'll be turning our attention to that. We will continue to focus on transgender rights. We will continue to fight to stop uh, LGBT youth ending up on the streets homeless, 90,000 LGBT kids on the streets homeless every night. So there are a lot of issues. It's nice that we can get married, um, but there are a tremendous amount of issues that we still have to work to overcome. Well, I really appreciate your time, Kevin uh, O'Grady, and um, all the information you provided and uh, definitely your commentary. So thank you. Well, thank you very much. Our next guest is Newport Beach City Councilman Scott Piotter. Councilman Piotter made local and national headlines last week when he sent out a newsletter to his constituents expressing his disapproval with the Supreme Court gay marriage ruling. Gay rights leaders and members of the OC community expressed their outrage at the councilman's comments, especially after he used the Newport Beach City Seal on his newsletter. The seal has since been removed from all his personal correspondences. In his commentary, Councilman Piotr said the Supreme Court decision, quote, overturns 5,000 years of Judeo-Christian tradition by redefining and allowing gay marriage, end quote. Piotr also used biblical references. He said, quote, I do find it interesting that the homosexual movement adopted the rainbow as their symbol, as it was God's symbol that he wouldn't destroy the world by flood again. Maybe they are wishful thinking, end quote. We go now to a phone interview with the councilman who discussed the circumstances surrounding his email and his views on freedom of religion. Welcome, councilman. Thank you, Jill. Uh, my first question is, you know, on June 26, as we know, the Supreme Court declared that same-sex couples now have a right to marry anywhere in the United States. Um, so, but in the weeks following this decision, you wrote an email to your constituents expressing your disapproval. Um, can, you, can you tell us uh, what thought process led to your decision to actually send this email out in the first place? Well, that's a good question. I've got... I do a, a newsletter to my constituents every other week in between council meetings. And in between that time, this decision came down. And, of course, it was national news, and it had been national news for a while. And I felt that it was an important enough issue that I would at least make a comment on it. And it was really meant to be uh, not the theme of the newsletter, but more of an introduction before I dove into my local issues. Uh, unfortunately or fortunately, it, it ended up becoming or creating quite a controversy and has become national news now because evidently local Newport City councilmen are not allowed to have these kinds of views and, and present them as councilmen. Right. And then, and then, of course, you know, the media headlines were pretty strong um, after this. You know, you've got words like criticized and trouble. You know, now the victim causes controversy. I mean, I imagine you've been continuing to receive waves of backlash. Um, were, were you or are you surprised by the public reaction, or was this something you were expecting? No, I am very much surprised. And, you know, I figured that, again, it was a, a letter to my constituents. In fact, it was really more a letter to my supporters. And so it was not a huge list. It wasn't like I had mailed it to every resident in Newport Beach. And so when I did it, I did it from my perspective or my point of view. And so I really didn't anticipate it to create the controversy that it has. Got it. Was there, is there anything you want to clarify about your message or were there parts of, that 
the things that you wrote in your email that were uh, grossly misconstrued? Well, yes, in that because I used the city seal, it seems that critics that don't like or didn't like the message that I was sending uh, are using that as an effective way to try and silence me. And by no means am I trying to uh, infer my, that my colleagues have the same perspective or not. I'll leave that up to them. So I willingly took the, the city seal off my my banner. So in future emails, I mean, I can't unspill the milk on this particular email, but in future emails, I'll leave the city seal off my banner so as to not create confusion. Mm-hmm. Um, yet, because, again, I'm not trying to put words in, in the mouths of my my fellow colleagues. I understand. And, um, and I was going to say, most of the news reports tend to be critical, not of of me, but of the criticism of me. Or I guess I should say that the uh, the criticism of me is is what's the news, rather than the issue of dealing with gay marriage in the first place. Mm-hmm. So then. Have you, you know, throughout, you know, the, this is obviously the, the the ruling now allows for everything in the 50 states, I mean, gay marriages in the 50 states, but, you know, California has had Prop 8. So throughout the whole, uh, all these rulings on gay marriage, have you been as vocal and ha- have you written a letter of this nature in the past or, or done any work to speak out on your views in the past? Oh yeah, I, I've been pretty vocal about my views throughout my life, and but this is the first time that I've been, as an elected official, giving, mm. in effect, the same perspective. Okay. All right. So then, you know, even in reading your biography, you've been an active member of the Mariners Church in Newport Beach. Is that still correct? Yes. I, my yeah. wife and I met at Mariners Church. We currently go to Voyager's Church. Uh, in Irvine, which was actually a church plant from Mariners. Okay. And I, I do see that it's a Christian church. You've been serving as a leader in the men's ministry, and that this is actually a Bible-based church, a Christian Bible-based church. So I'm assuming that in that, you, this is why you referenced some, you had some biblical reference in your email. And, um, you know, so, but then there there's this other side of it of, the other argument that several other Christian groups or other evangelical um, churches have made moves to support LGBT, um, but in this case, you're you're remaining pretty strong on your biblical beliefs. So, do you think it is possible for religious freedom and the LGBT movement to peacefully express their Opinions, or you know, just not necessarily step on each other in this social climate. That's that's an interesting question. Certainly, from my perspective, I have no doubt that we can coexist peacefully and achieve much of of what each other wants. Uh, but there are going to be areas like this. You know, I I didn't realize this before I wrote this newsletter, but I've been told by you know, dozens of people now via email that if I am against gay marriage, I am a bigot and a homophobe, and there's no exception. And so in that sense, at least with a lot of people that are in the LGBT community, there is no compromise. And that's not my choice. That's their choice. Uh, And when you say coexist, LGBT... I don't look at as being a group that I have a problem with. But I do have a problem with gay marriage. I think it redefines marriage, and I don't think that either the Supreme Court uh, or the government really has any role in defining the marriage. Uh, That's something that has been in existence in the Judeo-Christian tradition for over 5,000 years. So it's like saying that the Supreme Court can uh, redefine gravity. There are just some things that are beyond even the Supreme Court's reach. That doesn't mean that we aren't going to have legal consequences based on their decision, like we're seeing with the, you know, the, the baker in Oregon or the uh, wedding photographer in, in New Mexico, where they, because of their religious freedoms, did not want to either photograph or provide a wedding cake for a same-sex wedding, and they were taken to court and fined 
heavily uh, because they would because they exercise their religious freedom. And I think that's more the key of what's happened or what will happen with this decision by the Supreme Court. We will actually be giving up our religious liberties, which are clearly written in the Constitution, in exchange for this unwritten, newly found, you know, quote, constitutional right that the Supreme Court found last month. Right. And I'm I'm just going to read a quote um, written. Well, it was, yes, it was a written statement by one of the chief, the Supreme Court justices, Samuel Alito. He wrote, today's decision, and again, back in June, today's decision will be used to vilify Americans who are unwilling to assent to new orthodoxy. In particular, uh, he writes, in particular, he objects to the comparison between bans on same-sex marriage and the bans on interracial marriage that were widespread before the court overturned them. The implications of this analogy will be exploited by those who are determined to stamp out every vestige of dissent, he argues. So, you know, what is your response to the argument that the LGBT rights are not a moral or religious issue, that it is, in fact, a civil rights issue, according to them, uh, according, you know, to, again, proponents for LGBT rights? Well, of course, they're wise in making the argument on the civil rights basis. Because if you're born that way, then there's no fault of their own. And therefore, why don't you accept them and allow them to have the same rights and privileges as the rest of the rest of uh, society? And of course, marriage is available to everybody. There is no discrimination about that. Uh, the gay lobby will tell you that the that they can't marry who they love even though they can still marry somebody of the opposite sex. And now, of course, they can marry whoever they want. Uh, so they look at it as a civil rights issue. I disagree. It's just, it, it's already coming out now, as you can see some of the consequences. And unlike interracial marriage, which obviously was before my time and I never have and never uh, would have a problem with interracial marriage, but the uh, by comparing it to that, you're discounting the fact that, you know, the Bible and the Judeo-Christian ethic is pretty clear that homosexuality is still considered wrong, uh, whereas interracial marriage, I don't think, was ever looked at as being a biblical issue. It was a, certainly a bigoted and biased issue, but it's not the same. So, yes, they're wise in comparing them, but I disagree with the analysis or the analogy, like, like uh, Judge, Judge Galito. Mm-hmm. And so then um, you, you, these terms, bigotry, homophobe, you, as you referenced earlier, the, these are, in your opinion, too strong of, word, the, of, the, of words to um, call what, what you're trying to express, that you're, you're not necessarily, I'm just clarifying, you're not necessarily saying LGBT supporters are, are wrong. It's the lifestyle that you disagree with? Well, I don't even... I mean, I'm not going to go live their life for them. I don't really care what they do in their bedroom. But now they're bringing it, what they do in the bedroom into the public square. And the only thing that identifies them is based on what they do in the bedroom. And so I, I don't really care. They're the, ones, they're the ones bringing it forth. But now, now it affects me. Now it affects my uh, freedom of religion and you know, obviously our country was founded on freedom of religion, so now they're in effect, it's almost, it is almost like a religion to them. They're in effect force, forcing their viewpoint on me, and if I don't like it, then tough, I'm going to be put in jail or fined. And that goes back to the quote that I like that Eric Erickson coined of redstate.com is that you will be made to care, and that's what's going on here. If you don't agree with the LGBT movement, you will be made to care. You will be put in prison or fined or otherwise harmed. And, you know, the next logical step is going to be churches losing their tax-exempt status. Uh, you're going to have pastors have to have their sermons cleared ahead of time or be subject to um, being accused of hate speech just because they preach what's in the Bible. And or you're going to end up with uh, 
the government basically saying, and I think President Obama has been very clear in his methods here or uh, his motives, that he thinks that freedom of religion is fine for those Bible thumpers, I think, as he referred to us. Uh, but you have to keep them inside the church. Once you come out in the public square, you can't bring your Bible with you. You can't bring your beliefs. You have to comply with the state's beliefs. And so we end up with a totalitarian state that's very, very politically correct. So what legal options and rights are there for people who feel their religious freedom is being violated? Here to discuss this is Jim Campbell, who works for the Alliance Defending Freedom, a national legal organization that has been advocating for people to freely live out their faith in America and around the world for the past 20 years. Thank you for listening. This is KUCI 88.9 FM. You're listening to Paradigm Shift. I'm your host, Jill Shee. On the phone lines right now, we have Jim Campbell. He's uh, the Senior Legal Counsel for Aliens Defending Freedom and has worked there since 2007. He specializes in litigating cases pertaining to the defense of marriage, religious liberty, and freedom of conscience. Hello, Mr. Campbell. Hello there. Thanks for having me. Yes, um, so today's topic is gay marriages, and in the wake of the recent Supreme Court decision allowing same-sex marriages in 50 states, you know, we've seen several lawsuits and cases that have arisen about uh, religious freedom versus uh, the LGBT rights. So my first question is, um, ADF is a, a nonprofit legal organization, and um, it has the purpose of advocating for the right of people to freely live out their faith. So. How do people come across the organization, or what's the process for people to reach out to you if they feel their religious freedoms are being violated? We have a, a website, and we have a 1-800 number. So for anyone who feels that their religious freedom is being in, infringed or violated, they can call us at 1-800-TELL-ADF. That's T-E-L-L-A-D-F. And um, that's how people reach out to us when they're looking for legal services. Okay. And, uh, Mr. Campbell, in looking at your bio, I've seen that you have uh, defended a, a few cases, a number of cases here, um, with reference to this uh, New Mexico wedding photographer's right to use her expressive talents, or not to use her expressive talents to tell the story um, of the same-sex commitment ceremony. Um, so you have experience in this, and I'm, I'm just doing this to, to clarify. We know that government employees who violate someone's constitutional rights are subject to lawsuits. Um, but how does this work for private business owners? Um, we've heard so many news reports of bakery owners, florists, wedding photographers, and those are just a snippet of people, you know, being fined, chastised, or I don't know what the word is, for not doing business for same-sex couples. So what, what type of legal rights do they have? Well, private business owners are protected by the United States Constitution, and one of the protections available to them is the, the freedom against being forced to promote or convey ideas that they disagree with. So um, in the case of the wedding photographer that you mentioned, uh, the argument that we raised on her behalf was that the state cannot require her to tell the story through pictures of a same-sex ceremony if doing so is something that, that she declined to do, and if doing so is something that would conflict with her religious beliefs. Um, so it's different when you're dealing with a, a private organization, a private business, than when you're dealing with the government itself. Okay. And um, this is another case, but uh, earlier the, this month, the Oregon State Labor Commission actually upheld a, a well, 135,000-fine verdict against a Christian couple who refused to bake a wedding cake for two women. So I'm, I'm trying to understand here, on what grounds was this fine warranted? I mean, weren't there other laws? Uh, was there anything else that could protect this couple? Well, as I understand that case, the the business owner made the argument that the Constitution, in fact, does protect their right to decline to promote and celebrate uh, events and promote ideas that they disagree with. Uh, unfortunately, the, the Oregon Commission there ignored um, those arguments and, and those constitutional rights at issue. Um, but ultimately, what's important to note is that people like the the bakery in Oregon or the, the wedding photographer in New Mexico that we talked about, these are people that uh, happily serve gays and lesbians, but they simply cannot 
provide their creative or expressive services when it's in the context of celebrating or promoting a particular event. Uh, in that limited context, these individuals have a, a crisis of conscience that requires them to simply refer under those narrow circumstances. Yeah, and I'm, I'm happy that you um, you said that because I think, um, you know, a lot of times when we're reading media reports, it, it appears that, you know, these confrontations are abrasive. <laughs> They're just basically saying no, um, but um, they are still working with the LGBT clients, things like that. So I just wanted to make sure I was clarifying that, that it's not some sort of context where it's confrontational in a lot of these things. That, that that that's exactly true. In fact, if you look at the track record of the the clients in a lot of these cases, they 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 show and they introduce evidence that that they do work with with people who identify as gay and lesbian. That's not the issue. The issue is in this very narrow context where they're asked to promote or celebrate a message or an event that they disagree with. That under those limited circumstances, their their conscience requires them to send the business elsewhere. Okay, and then kind of digging a little further into that same Oregon case, the commissioner also ordered that couple to cease and desist from speaking publicly about their Christian convictions. Um, how How is that possible when we have the First Amendment? That's a, a very egregious uh, aspect of the, the Oregon Commission's order. Uh, in other words, it wasn't enough uh, in, in their eyes to to order this couple who who runs their 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 bakery to to pay money uh and it wasn't they they actually went one step further and and ordered them to no longer uh, communicate um essentially their views on marriage publicly um now that's something that the constitution surely forbids the constitution doesn't allow the government to tell someone uh, that they can't speak on a particular issue. So um, we remain hopeful that in that case, as, as it's appealed from this commission to a court, that the court will strike down that aspect of the, the, the commission's order. Okay. And then following up to that, um, you know, I'm reading a lot, of, a lot of criticism about the First Amendment argument. Um, some people are saying that it's, it's a weak argument. Um, are you finding this in your experience that, Using the First Amendment, it doesn't have as much pack as much punch. Or, I mean, what what are your thoughts on that? Well, we 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 have prevailed on the the First Amendment argument uh, in at least one of the cases that's that's going on around the country, um, and, and we believe that that other courts will 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 now see that the First Amendment does in fact apply, and it does in fact ensure that all Americans, including these business owners that we're talking about, that they have the right to peacefully live out their faith and the right to peacefully decline to promote ideas and messages that they disagree with. So, so no, we, we think that, that the arguments are very strong. We think that the Constitution provides good protection, and in the end, uh, we believe that those uh, constitutional rights will be vindicated. Okay. And I've got a couple more questions. Um, one is that, you know, we've also seen, I mean, there's a lot of uh, national media attention on, on the wedding bakeries and, you know, these other cases, but there are still just layman's business businesses and people that feel they're being verbally attacked, slandered, just for speaking out in, in less, um, you know, maybe it be social media or whatever memos or emails they send. Um, do these people have rights? as well um what what type of cases do you see at adf or is it have to have some sort you know i mean it's still an attack of religious freedom so what would you suggest for these people who are feeling that way well there there are a couple competing interests on the one hand there is the freedom of speech so if somebody wants to speak out against what a particular business owner there there are free speech principles that, that apply there. But on the other hand, there is an idea of, of tolerance and true tolerance for people with different views uh, from our own. So what we would hope is that in many cases um, where where somebody might uh, want to, to speak out against somebody who perhaps operates their business differently than they would if they were in that circumstance, uh, you know, we would ask that, that a lot of people 
take a take a hard look at that situation and and try to understand where the other person's coming from and um where true tolerance should be extended to to in fact uh do so in other words just because you would operate your business differently or because you might make a different decision the question is should someone be vilified and discriminated against by the government simply for doing that and and, and we believe the constitution exists to ensure that that doesn't happen okay thank you and then my last question is um have has ADF seen an inf- more of an influx of of these cases since the Supreme Court ruling last month and the second question being do you see this number increasing over I don't know the next few years we we have certainly seen a number of these cases over the last few weeks uh, where people have called in and 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 raised questions about what are their rights in the wake of the Supreme Court's decision and and are they free to continue uh, living consistent with their belief that marriage is a union of a man and a woman, um, and, and we anticipate that that those those requests for legal assistance will continue to increase, um, and and that's why we at Alliance Defending Freedom, one of the many reasons why we exist, uh, for people who are in those situations to be able to reach out to us and to seek clarity regarding their legal rights, and hopefully um, we're able to provide them with assistance and to ensure that at the end of the day, they too are able to peacefully live out their faith. Mr. Campbell, we really appreciate your time, and uh, thank you for joining us. Thanks so much. Jim Campbell also made mention of the Federal Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which was passed in 1993 under the Clinton administration. But this act only applies against the federal government actions. Individual states are exempt from RIFRAs. However, many states have adopted their own version of the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. It's roughly about 22 states so far. And not everyone believes that there will be an increase of legal cases for religious freedoms. Let's listen to comments by Dean Chemerinsky from the UCI School of Law. Welcome back to KUCI. This is uh, Jill Shee, host of Paradigm Shift. I have on the phones with me Dean Chemerinsky. He's the dean of the School of Law here at uh, UCI, and um, his expertise is in constitutional law. Welcome, Dean Chemerinsky. Thank you. It's great to talk with you. Thank you. Um, You know, uh, last uh, last month's Supreme Court ruling came down uh, allowing uh, same-sex marriages um, in all 50 states. What was your uh, initial reaction to this ruling? I was thrilled, but not surprised. I was thrilled because this is long overdue. Gays and lesbians should have the same ability to express love and commitment, the same ability as a legal benefit to marriage that heterosexual couples always have had. But I wasn't surprised by it. The Supreme Court's decision two years ago declaring unconstitutional key provisions of the Defense of Marriage Act made clear that there are five votes on the current court to favor marriage equality for gays and lesbians. Okay. And over the years, um, what has been your experience um, researching or looking into um, gay marriage rights? Well, I remember in the spring of 2004 giving a speech in the fall of 2003, the Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court ruled that it violated the Massachusetts Constitution to keep gays and lesbians married. And a few months later, I gave a speech saying that I believe that in my lifetime, gays and lesbians would be able to marry in all 50 states in the country. I'm not sure that I could have imagined that within 11 years it would be so, but it's a wonderful result. And then maybe you can um, elaborate more. I I know you said at the top of what you were saying, but what in the Constitution do you find um, protects gay gay rights? And well, there's, two things. there's two things. One is the 14th Amendment of the Constitution says that no state shall deny any person equal protection of the laws. State laws that prohibit same-sex marriage discriminate against gays and lesbians. Gays and lesbians can't get married, whereas heterosexuals can't. That's a denial of equal protection. Also, the Supreme Court has said for decades that the right to marry is a fundamental right protected of the word liberty of the due process clause. And laws that prohibit same-sex marriage 
keeps gays and lesbians being able to exercise their right to marry. Okay, got it. And um, there, there are also, since I've been doing my interviews, um, the LGBT communities and, and proponents for LGBT believe that um, gay marriages, gay rights are kind of linked to or similar to civil rights. Um, is this also something you believe as well? I do. Civil rights is about the ability of people to be free from discrimination. Laws that prohibit same-sex couples from marrying obviously discriminate against them. That's why it is a major civil rights issue that gays and lesbians should be treated equally under the law. Okay. And um, just kind of segueing, um, so on the opposite end of this, we have, um, you know, opponents, people who are still believing, you know, they can exercise their religious freedoms and, and you know, speech. Um, but we're seeing more and more that um, in, in exercising their religious freedoms, there's a bit of a backlash. Um, how do you feel the argument of the First Amendment holds, holds water now with regard to gay marriage rights? Those who oppose same-sex marriage certainly have freedom of speech. They can speak out against it, whether the reason for opposing gay marriage is religion or morality, anybody can express what they want. But freedom of religion doesn't give the right to inflict an injury on others. A person couldn't discriminate against blacks and say, my religion teaches me that. Nor should people be able to discriminate against gays and lesbians on the basis of religion. Okay. And another thing is that, uh, you know, people are also saying um, the Supreme Court shouldn't, uh, or the government shouldn't dictate what, what marriage is. Um, and they, you know, people are talking about overturning uh, the Supreme Court ruling. Um, what, what do you foresee as far as that? Is, is that realistic? No. To overturn the Supreme Court ruling would take a constitutional amendment. It has to be passed by two-thirds of both houses of Congress and three-fourths of the states. That's not going to happen. The only other way of overturning the Supreme Court decision is if there are new justices who decide to overrule it. And what would it take for, I mean, people are even going extreme and saying we need to get new Supreme Court justices. I mean, what would it take for that, that type of thing to happen? Well, we have justices on the court now who are in their early 80s and late 70s. If, say, Justice Ginsburg, who's 70, is 82, and Justice Breyer, who's 77, are replaced by a president and the new justices oppose marriage equality, there could be five votes to overrule this decision. Okay. But the only way of overturning this is a constitutional amendment or a Supreme Court decision reversing it. Do you think that uh, more, I mean, when I, I said in the beginning, more legal uh, or lawsuits will be popping up, I mean, as a result of this uh, this ruling, um, just between maybe private businesses or, you know, people, like I said, wanting to express their religious freedoms or whether it be morality, but do you, do you foresee more, you know, legal lawsuits on this issue? I think there will be suits. I don't think there's going to be a lot of suits about it. I think the country will very quickly come to accept this. At the time of the Supreme Court decision, there was marriage equality in 37 of 50 states. We didn't see a great deal of religious-based litigation in those states either. Dean Chemerinsky, we really appreciate your time here on the program and for your contributions. Our last interview today is with Daniel King, who is the lead evangelist for King Ministries, which is a national and international Christian, evangelical, Pentecostal ministry. He and his wife are nationally renowned speakers and missionaries who travel the country preaching the gospel. We join in on the conversation just after he shared the biblical scriptures that outlined marriage as being between a man and woman. In light of these scriptures, how how should Christians proceed uh, when the Supreme Courts of our countries are m making legal something that, you know, for, for centuries Christians have seen as, as clearly going against God's law? Well, just making homosexual marriage legal doesn't make it right. Uh, public opinion supporting 
And even the Supreme Court's ruling allowing homosexual marriage uh, doesn't make it right. There is a courtroom that is higher than the Supreme Court, where Christ uh, sits on the judgment seat. And ultimately, we will all face him uh, at the end times and be accountable for both our actions and our inactions. And so I think that the Christian who believes the Bible and believes what the Bible says about marriage should continue to oppose homosexual marriage and behavior regardless of how the Supreme Court ruled. I think we should use both of our both our voices and the ballot box to protest uh, what I would consider to be a, the perversion of homosexual marriage until we're able to sway public opinion once again to our side. And for the last 40 years, we've seen this with the the issue of Roe versus Wade with with abortion and the church has consistently opposed abortion over the years and it seems now that many people are are being swayed in their opinion um, to where uh, abortion is less accepted in our society now than it was just 10 years ago but at the same time I think that the church should be loving towards homosexuals and we shouldn't come and have a finger-wagging religion or condemn them, uh, but we should be loving and accepting because everyone, regardless of whatever issue that they deal with, can have their life changed if they'll give their life to Jesus Christ. Okay. And, um, you know, how how can Christians overcome this, uh, you know, being labeled as, as bigots or homophobes? I mean, I, I know your, your, your stance is, you know, people should speak out on their religious freedoms here. Um, but sometimes that's taken from the other side as uh, bigotry or, you know, homophobic behavior. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? How, how can Christians overcome those labels? All too often the church is more known for what it is against than what it's for. We're, we're known for being anti-gay, anti-choice, anti-drinking, anti-smoking, anti-gambling. Some are known for being anti-R-rated movies, anti-television violence, and anti-just about everything else that the world considers to be fun. But the core message of Christianity is forgiveness, it's love, it's acceptance. And too often our message seems to be one of unforgiveness or disagreement. Uh, we are seen as being uh, rejecting people or, or, or hatred of certain things. And, and I think God really wants the church to be known for grace, that we extend grace to people of all kinds, no matter what issues they struggle with. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up. So you wrote a book called Grace Wins, The Ultimate Fight Between Religion and Relationships. Um, can you explain your thoughts on, I, it was interesting, you wrote about radical grace um, and how that applies to this issue of gay marriage. The core message of Christianity is grace. And the Bible says that all have sinned. Every single one of us have, have made mistakes. Uh, I'm a sinner just like, like everyone else. Uh, a sin is basically disobeying God's commands. And so the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, they sinned by disobeying God's command not to eat the fruit in the Garden of Eden. And the Bible says that the price for sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. In John 3.16, a verse that many people know, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever would believe in him would not die, but would have everlasting life. And so basically, we're all sinners, but Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. And the Bible says that everyone who calls on Jesus will be saved from their sins. And so... Uh, homosexuality, I believe, is a sin, but many other things are sins as well. Lying, cheating, stealing, having hate in our heart towards our brother. These things are sins, and and uh, humanity uh, needs to deal with this sin problem, and the only way to deal with it is by crying out to Jesus. Yes, I understand. So then, um, you know, just kind of further, you know, following up to that, um, would you say that this message of grace um, kind of can get lost in, say, you know, situations in the past or maybe even still going on now where, where there are certain Christians, not all, but certain Christians who are sort of taking 
their views, their religious views to the extreme, meaning, um, you know, coming across either, you know, the terms are Bible something or, you know, self-righteous, those types of terms, you think that that does more damage then to the overall message of grace when, you know, Christians can be learning, I guess, how to be more tolerant toward viewpoints that are not necessarily their own. Do Do you share that view? Do you have thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that Christians uh, should respond to, to, to people in love and, and realize that uh, all of us are sinners. And, and sometimes the people that thump on the Bible the loudest are often exposed as people who deal with uh, very strong issues in, in their own lives. Um, uh, like, for example, uh, Bill Cosby was condemned. Uh, he, he was... Uh, moralizing, standing up on a pedestal and telling people that uh, they needed to uh, get their lives straight. And then recently it's been revealed that that Bill Cosby uh, has had issues in his own life. And so when people hear someone preaching, they, they immediately think they're probably a hypocrite. They probably uh, are dealing with things in their own life. And, and that's true, that all of us are, are deeply flawed. Sin has uh, deeply hurt uh humans and we all need Jesus and so uh, we all need to walk in God's grace and also to extend grace uh towards others and, and so many christians they they hold up the the 10 commandments but the world will never find forgiveness on two pieces of stone we're we're not called to be moral people we're called to be Jesus people we're not called to just follow religious rules. We're called to follow Jesus. And Jesus, he extended grace and forgiveness to the worst of sinners. One time, the book of John tells us about a story where there was a woman who was caught in adultery. And and many of the religious leaders wanted to stone this woman and to kill her because she had broken God's law. And Jesus said, let him who is without sin cast the first stone and none of them were able to throw a stone at her because every single one of those religious leaders had uh, sin in their own lives and so Jesus reached out in love to the woman lifted her to her feet and said woman I do not condemn you and then he added go and sin no more and so I think that should be the church's response uh, to people who are living in sin we shouldn't condemn them but we should lift them up, encourage them, and we could say there's forgiveness in Jesus, and then we can add the words, go and sin no more. Okay. Thank you, Daniel. And I have one more question. Um, What advice would you give to uh, people who are expressing their religious freedoms but experiencing extreme, you know, backlash um, from the LGBT community? Um, Meaning it's it's you know how do they hold on to this this uh, message of grace or forgiveness in, in a social climate where things are a little heightened and sensitive? Sure, there's been a very rapid shift in society in this area. It was just a few years ago in 2008 when Obama was running for office when he was asked by Rick Warren if he supported traditional marriage. And Obama said, absolutely, I I support uh, the the marriage being between a a man and a woman. And so now that opinion, which he expressed just a few years ago, is now condemned and anybody who holds it is persecuted. And I think that uh, we must also earn the right to speak into people's lives. And Speech that is hateful, speech that is coming against a particular sin, often is not the best way to reach people. Very rarely does shouting through a megaphone convince people of the rightness of your position. And so I think the church should extend hands of love and and forgiveness towards people and, and see them as as we all are. We're, we're all deeply flawed. We really appreciate your time. Um, you're an evangelist at King Ministries, and uh, thank you for your thoughts and contributions on this subject.
I want to take some time to address how the Supreme Court's decision for gay marriage could also affect religious institutions across the country. Now, we know there is a clause in the First Amendment protecting clergy from being required to officiate at marriages for same-sex couples and churches from being forced to allow gay and lesbian couples to marry in their sanctuaries. But what about a church basement or retreat center, which is rented out for opposite-sex weddings? And what about a religiously affiliated institution like a university that offers married heterosexual students housing but refuses such accommodation for married gay and lesbian students? And this question deserves some attention because virtually all American religious groups have affiliated nonprofits. These include schools, hospitals, and charities. Legal experts say that it's possible that religious institutions will be pressured to give ground on gay marriage by federal authorities, um, such as the Internal Revenue Service, which could take away an institution's tax-exempt status, state civil rights commissions, or private lawsuits. The federal government now reads its laws against sex discrimination to include sexual orientation discrimination. There's some food for thought as we close out the program. I want to thank you for tuning in to Paradigm Shift. Join me every Tuesday from 4 to 5 p.m. And if you have any questions or comments on anything you heard on today's show, you can email me at paradigmshift at KUCI.org.